right, welcome to the Outlaw Radio Show. My name is Zach Adams, and I pastor a church located just outside of uh, Athens, Georgia. The name of the church is Calvary 316. If you're local, come hang out with us one Sunday morning. Our service is at 1030. If you're not local but looking for a good church to watch online, uh, we stream our service on two different platforms, uh, facebook.com slash calvary316, very easy to find. And then we also uh, stream our service on our YouTube channel, which you can find the quick link is calvary316.live. So calvary316.live, live stream, facebook.com slash calvary316 is the Facebook page. You can get all of that by just going to calvary316.com. I'm joined, as always, by the man that needs no introduction, although I introduce him every week, Pope Creighton Vaughn. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing well. How are you? I love the fact <clears throat> you're sporting his productions. It's a throwback. Also, I mean, also, always, it's my favorite hat. I wear it all the time. Yeah, you do know you Shut switched up. the camera angles, Gosh, right? Where you it. were like not on the camera angle, and I was just staring at you. But that works. You still didn't switch it back. At well, that's because you're talking <laughs> now. I'm talking now. I will switch explain it back. how the I show got all mixed up. Explain there. how the show works. It doesn't. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, basically, what happens is at least um, we're consistent. <laughs> yes, true. we are. That. That's important, and it's always fun. Um, basically, what happens is I will bring a topic and introduce the topic to the room. Zach will make a Bible study out of it, and we will have a discussion. Um, he doesn't know what the topic is. The other guys who Zach will introduce in a second don't know what the topic is. Um, and so it's always fun. It keeps Zach on his toes, which is fun because he's a know-it-all. Um, and if you have comments, questions, or concerns about what we're talking about, or if you want to do a question for next week and you want us to know what your question is, um, I am also monitoring the comments on Facebook and YouTube where we are live streaming. Uh, speaking of which, everyone say hi to Jennifer. Hello, Hello Jennifer. Jennifer. Yes, yes. yes. Um, just like that, I will read out the comments during the show, uh, especially if I can get them in when they are relevant <laughs> to the conversation at hand. You can always send thoughts, questions, whatnot to our official show email address, which is pokecrayton at gmail.com. Again, PopeCrayton at gmail.com. Also joined in studio uh, by the two regulars. We've got, um, we're going to go with, with Velvet Elvis um, today. How are you doing, Isaac? <laughs> Hello. Good? I'm doing very well. I actually brought some chocolate. If anyone would like to buy chocolate, <laughs> shameless <laughs> send plug. your order to PopeCrayton at gmail.com. <laughs> so I'm what, what well. makes your, you have a unique thing <clears throat> when it comes to this chocolate. Explain, yes. explain the chocolate. Well, long ago, what had happened was Alexis was buying $6 bars of chocolate and uh, from Human, but there there's no refined sugar or anything like that. And I just, my bank account didn't agree with that decision. So what I ended up doing was trial and error, making chocolate uh, that was healthy. It's, so that was all live, right? When I, what I just yeah, did there. Yeah, what you just did was absolutely Yeah, well, live. he wasn't in focus, and it was like we can't go the whole show with him not in focus, you, so... We apologize for that. I had to focus the camera. But you look sharper at the moment. I appreciate that. So the chocolate, there was no, like, organic good chocolate, and your wife wanted it. No. And, yes, she did want it. And the first few batches, I mean, this is about two years ago I started making chocolate, and the first few batches were absolute trash, in her opinion. I still finished them off my own. <laughs> uh, and they, I thought they were pretty good. But, anyway, so I just kept refining and refining, and they're literally just sweetened with honey. There's no sugar in them at all besides that. And um, they're also vegan, so there's no milk or dairy of any sort. So they're actually very healthy. The only thing that they have in them is, you know, gluten. But I could easily switch over to gluten-free pretzels. But it's kind of like a Reese's, but super healthy. So 
that that does lead us into a, a new nickname possibility, and that's that's uh, our our own Willy Wonka. Oh yeah, <laughs> which I you know I mean I could see it. You could see it. That you 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 kind of gravitate more towards that one than Velvet Elvis or Football Mom or Football Mom is my favorite or Organ Dexter. We're still we're still workshopping this. Also joined in studio <laughs> by Spice Daddy. I appreciate the three sixteen hat. And you also got your Spice Daddy shirt that your mom made. I do. Thanks, Mm -hmm. Mama. Yeah, which is... (laughs) Thank you, Justin's mom. Which is so beautiful sight to see. It's so cute. So uh, just kind of like with that particular angle, go back back to Spice Daddy. We've kind of moved him. He's complained about not being on the couch where he can spread out. And then we moved him to another chair, but he was too cramped. So we've kind of given him some space over here in the corner. And, uh, but that required having the TV in the background. And so as the audience, if you don't like that angle, like I know John doesn't like that angle, but we can't let John like make decisions about everything. And so, uh, if you don't like the angle, let us know. If you like it, let us know. If you don't care, don't, don't let us know. It'll work. So I want to start, uh, tonight by actually talking about something that's been on my mind really since the, the new year. Uh, we've just okay, had... before you get into your rant, hold yeah. on. Okay. Uh, Miss Ann says hello. So everyone say hi to Miss Ann. Excellent. Hello, Miss Ann. Ann. Yes. Uh, she also Miss says you already. She... <laughs> she also says that she looks forward to seeing you on Sunday. That's true. I will be uh, at Calvary Chapel Stone Mountain this Sunday, uh, filling in for my dad, sharing uh, my testimony, sharing my story. And, uh, and I've actually put some thought into it. So I've done this, oh man, almost a dozen times now. Everywhere but at Calvary Chapel Stone Mountain or Calvary 316. Um, I gave a little bit of like like a 15-minute version of it. And I think it was the 22 Pastors Conference that was hosted there. That was the first time I still had wrist braces on. I had shared it all. Um, but since then, I've kind of, kind of developed a kind of a go-to message. Um, but I've been thinking about it. I've got, I've got, I think, a whole new wrinkle on it. Um, so it'll be, it'll be the same story, but I think with kind of a fresh, um, unshared angle, I'm going to start with Gideon, I think. Um, interesting. Yeah. I'm going to start the story with Gideon and kind of go from there. So Miss Ann, it'll be great to see you and, uh, uh, <laughs> can't wait to, what are you laughing at? What are you laughing at? Like you just lost, you lost. I've never seen you just like totally lose it. You were, you said an unshared angle and I just thought about this story. <laughs> it was, uh, it, I was just thinking <laughs> <laughs> you've lost it. You've got, leave him on just, the screen. Oh, yeah, he's up. Leave just him from up. the angle of your dog. You know, I was just thinking like what you were going through. Cause I was like, <laughs> <laughs> now spice daddy apparently gets it. Creighton, do you get the joke? I don't even get the joke. I'm, I don't saying, get it. I don't like it. What if your dog was telling the story of you, what happened during that time? You said That's a different a angle, different and I'm saying angle. you're going to tell your story through, through the, <laughs> the, eyes, through the, the eyes of my dog. <laughs> well, that would be... I don't know why that's so I don't funny. even... I'm not quite sure. Hey, that could be your third chapter. <laughs> that could be that very... Could be another, <laughs> it really could. That, but that could be an entertaining point that of view. That would be, considering my dog died about three months before I got sick, and the dog I have now just showed up. So there was no, through the eyes of Angel. Anyway, so yes. thought, a thought. So also. Um, oh, we still have. Yes. Uh, the the interwebs are, are lit up tonight. Dude, I'm telling you. Um, it's these shorts you're putting out there. Yes. So the deal daddy also commented, uh, said he wants to get some of that chocolate. 
and also said, I got you, quote, that zoom in was amazing. Coco daddy. Yeah. Coco, which Coco I like. daddy. Yes. That's not bad. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. We could get, we could get, uh, three beans, you know, oh, Coco yeah. daddy. Ooh. That's not a, that's, that's, Hey, I'm liking where this is going. Hey, deal, deal. Daddy, Derek hooking it up. Maybe with a winner. Coco daddy. Anyway, um, anything else before? Yes. Uh, Justin's second favorite, Karen and, uh, Rachel both say hello. Awesome. Well, welcome to the outlaw radio show. You can't like start laughing again, just out of nowhere. <laughs> the thought came back in <laughs> <laughs> from a different perspective. Anyway, you know, you're, you're going to be in the middle of drumming one Sunday morning and <laughs> I'm going to think turn, about your dog, your dead dog. I'm going to turn and be like, Hey, from a different perspective, <laughs> I'm just going to throw it up on the screen that's facing the stage, like a picture of a dog, a dog just yeah. looking at it <laughs> in the eyes of an angel. So I started to, I kind of was chewing on this thought. Um, I had actually read a book recently, um, by a guy named Rick Rubin, um, wouldn't necessarily recommend the book. He's a very famous music producer. I'm very eccentric kind of guy, but he's done, he's done, he's produced from, um, from Tom Petty to the beastie boys to run DMC, just the, the, the list of, of artists that he's produced for, um, is very, is very long. He wrote this book and, and, and one of the chapters he's talking about, um, and, and again, this is about as, as close like self-help as I'm ever going to get. Um, but just about how, like he made the observation that changing things in a person's life, like actually changing things, um, is very, very difficult. Like it's very difficult to change. Um, it's been said that the, the, the difference between a rut and a grave is just the depth. Um, and, and one of the reasons why it's hard to affect change and like you might, you might be listening or watching and you're like, you know, I like, there are some things in my life I've wanted to change. We all go into the new year, like things that I want to evolve. I want to get better at. I want to change. I want to do some things different, uh, whether it's going to the gym or reading more, you might have relationship goals, things with your children, career path, um, eating healthier. There's all kinds of things where again, for whatever reason, that, that refreshing nature of the, the change of the calendar, the new year, we start thinking about this anyway. So I've been thinking about this for several weeks, been reading this book. I've finished it. Uh, but we've had a series of episodes where, you know, I haven't had, you know, a chance to just kind of jump in with a, with a thought to start with. So I, f- I filed this cause most of the time Creighton will throw in a topic and what we've been doing over the last uh, two months has been wonderful, but you know, 50% they say, and, and, and it, to me, it resonated as true. Um, I haven't done independent research into this, but um, that 50, the, the reason it's so hard to change is that 50% of your life is, is on autopilot. And that's just of, of the life that you're awake. You, you can pound like that you're asleep for six, seven, eight hours um, a day that, that, that heightens that number um, quite a bit to like 75% of your life. But like a good portion, 50% of your cognitive awake daytime life um, is like, you don't think about it all. Like it is completely automated. Like you're on autopilot. Um, and if you think about that, like from a very practical sense, that's, that's true. Like you wake up, you have your, your morning routine. Um, 
you know, you've got to wake up at a certain time. The kids have to get to carpool at a certain time. You got to come back, take a shower. You got to go to the gym. You got to be at work. You work for a certain amount of hours. You drive here, you drive there. Like so much um, of our lives um, even lack to an extent free will. Like we're just set into um, a genuine, a genuine routine. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that that's a bad thing because that's just kind of how life is. Um, but the, the, the point was that when we actually are self-evaluating and we're looking at ourselves and like we, we see areas in our life that we're like, you know, man, I want to grow in this area. I want this part of me to change or to get better, to evolve. It's very, very hard to do because everything you do is already kind of determined. And so if you're wanting to see some things change in your life, um, you have to be very intentional and deliberate. And that's hard to do because it's hard to break routines. Some things you can't change, but other things you, you might need to. Um, you know, this is something Creighton and I were talking about. Just, you know, if you if you if your day goes, if, if every day is the same, it's Groundhog's Day. Nothing, nothing will change. Like you will be where you are next year and the year after. And, and, and 10 years from now, you'll be like, man, I, I really wanted this part of my life to blossom, but it didn't. It's, well, it's because you didn't, nothing changed. It's like, and if you don't change something, it, it'll stay the same. Mm-hmm. And if everything's automated, everything gets stuck into a rut. And, um, and that rut leads to a grave ultimately. So like, if you're wanting something to change, like I'll give you, an, I'll give you a great example of this. I think any Christian, um, that, um, if you're, if you're a genuine, uh, Bible believing Christ filled, Holy spirit filled, um, individual, you love Jesus. Um, I think, I think there's no debating, um, the, the necessity for church. Like, I don't think, with the exception of people that may be really jaded or really hurt um, from some experience, but even then, like, that hurt, it's all rooted in, like, the desire, like, I need to be there, but I'm, I'm hurt, I, I don't want to go, and there's that, that yin and yang, that, that struggle. Um, I think most Christians recognize the, the, the need to go to church. Uh, statistically, most don't go to church, uh, by and large. Um, and, and, and I've talked to people that they're like, you know, man, going into this year, I really want, like, I, I, you don't have to convince me that going to church is a good thing. I know it's a good thing. I enjoy it when I'm there. I recognize it's important for my children. It helps develop uh, a community. It's just, it's a good thing to be around other believers. It's a great place for me to check in. I like to be taught. I like to worship. It gives me a chance for communion, something kind of hard to do at home on your own. Um, you know, again, arguing with somebody as to like the importance of going to church, it's, it's an, it's a non-starter. Most people, again, with some exceptions will agree to um, the benefits. Yeah. I mean, if you're having wine at 10 o'clock in the morning, you're an alcoholic. I'm just saying, (laughs) you know what I mean? Unless you're at church having communion. Unless you're at church. Okay. Um, so, so, but like, okay. So for example, someone's like, okay, I, I know that this year. You know, we um, we need to we need to make our our church attendance a priority. Um, and they might start out great, you know, for the first couple of weeks of January into February, mostly because nothing else is going on. It's it's the winter, 
You know, you don't have a lot of athletics. You don't have a lot of sports stuff. You know, things are, are genuinely, um, you know, it's, it's not warm out. You're staying inside, you know, but then you start getting to spring and baseball kicks up with families or, you know, it's, you want to go out for a hike. Like golf I, courses are open Sunday morning. Golf courses are open. My, my point is like, it's, it's, it's easy to fall back into typical patterns. Well, don't those patterns come like going to work, for instance? Yeah, I don't like going to work all the time. I'd rather stay at home or go do something that I want to do. But why Why do we go to work? Because we have to, right? Correct. And, and so I think that's the priori- prioris- I don't know make it, in Making it a priority, it, and it's not just I hate having to be like, oh, I have to go to church, but like, Days that get me motivated is because I get I get to church early. Most times I'm one of the first ones there, right. and, and like I'm there to serve the greater church body. But me being involved with the church, it, it's it's in my mind. It's not just a job, but like it. Well, no, I, I want to be there to 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 so, do it. You, so, you know what I mean? So let me let me kind of explain using you as as a type. Um. It's easy for you to go to church every week. Right. Because that's what you do. And you've been doing that for years. And it's like, well, that's just what I do. Again, you don't go to church by a decision anymore because it's become part of that 50%. You've made it such a habit that it's a benefit. It's a blessing. Just like I go to work, I go to church. Like that's what I do. Uh, you make it a priority. You incorporate it into the routine. It's It's not... Because again, life becomes routine. Right. Um, the only reason that we that that my that, that we go on vacation every year is because we've intentionally made it a routine. Because we value it, it's important. We think it's 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 significant for our family. We book it as soon as the next trip is over, um, because it's like, well, we're not going to allow normal life routines, etc., to. This is, I only have so many of these with my kids in my house. I'm going to prioritize this. This is something that will happen every year and I'm going to make it happen. I'm intentional about it. Same thing with church. Like we're going to go to church. Like people are like, oh, well we go every other week. No, you don't. You go every fourth week because you can never, like you're not making a routine. Like you're not, you're not creating a rut for it. Well, I think Um, that's what I was saying too. And we've talked about it before of, of it's not that I'm just going to church. I'm not just going to church because I'm want to be there to go to church i I do but you know i i go and i'm involved in the Mm -hmm. church i've given me a reason other than just going there because not to be honest i i don't like people that much shocker but but like i like the church people because they're part of the family they're your people they're my people they're your people And, and and i want and because jesus said it was important for me to be with my people I need to be there. And I, I think, I think I've, the way you got to look at it for me anyway, going to church is I've put priority, not on the church, but on Jesus. And Jesus told me to do something. Therefore I'm going to go. So here's the, here's the application part of this. My point is if you're like, Hey, church should be important. We need to, we need to make this part of our life. Um, then you have to go every week and commit to it. And it's a non-negotiable. Because you have to make it a pattern. You have to incorporate it into the automated part of your schedule. If you don't, um, 
all the important things in life become part of the automation. That, that's how we work. That's how we operate. Um, and, and here's the interesting thing. Social media, uh, advertising giants that use social media, Google, etc. They also know that you are absolutely a type. And, and you, there's a pattern and there's a rut. Do, do they try to advertise for you to do something brand new? Or are they advertising to what they know will work because of your online profile and history? Um, they placate to the thing that's the pattern because again, it's so hard to change. The only way you can change is to make it a habit and make it part of the pattern. So like if church is a, like I want church to be a priority then come every week. You'll know that church is a priority when you get in your car and your phone sends you a notification, giving you directions to church. Explain how that works. We were just talking about this off air. Well, your phone is basically just a data mine of it's a spy your machine. life. Yeah, essentially it tracks everywhere you go and uh, and a lot of other things. But, you know, when I get into my car, it automatically connects to my phone on the infotainment system and it pulls up directions. It's like, if you know where I'm going, I don't need directions to it. Okay. Right. Typically. <laughs> All right. I, can I get would there. though, because I get lost <clears throat> anywhere. So I get does, lost in my own neighborhood. So does my wife. She's yes, she yep, she she certainly does. But she's anyway, wa- she's watching that. Yes, yeah, so. <clears throat> I'm sorry, um, <laughs> but seriously, so you know, if you know if that's a place that you go frequently, it's going to keep track of it. But uh, it's also kind of frightening, in my opinion, because all of those pieces of data can be used to control you, and we actually see that people are controlled um, in society by their phones. And it's interesting. It hasn't happened yet fully, I don't think, but you can really be manipulated, I think, by those, by your phone, essentially. When I see that pop up, I go a completely different way to the, the wherever I'm going. Just well, to, you like just screwing to, with just the for no reason. I do. <laughs> yeah, like sure. I was looking at you, when you talking about your advertisements. I went on the Facebook, which I haven't posted anything in like two years on, just to see what the algorithm was. I'm getting ads for like a monster truck rally in in and winder that's coming up apparently, which the last time I went was pretty awesome. I do. Actually, there is uh, one coming. I, I saw know. That. Yeah. <laughs> I want to say the same thing. Then I'm getting like just random ads for stuff. I'm just like, I don't care about any of that stuff. And, and like, I, I just like messing with the algorithm. So most people don't, which is what makes the algorithm great. And, and, and it makes it successful. Um, definitely. But you guys understand what I'm saying about like just being intentional if there's a part of you, like if you're sick of being in debt, if you don't, if you don't make a serious, conscientious um, decision, commitment to break a pattern, you will always be in debt. Like, yep. like you have to, because you're in a rut. Mm-hmm. You have to be really intentional with the decisions that you make. Well, I guess the best, sorry, go ahead. I think the other thing that you need to be is not just intentional, but is, um, very introspective because a lot of the times when like people who want to get out of debt, generally speaking, are aware of where most of their debt comes from. Like it's not, I mean, there are, you know, those people who spend 
thousands of dollars a month on a specific thing. Amazon. Or get useless degrees. Or get useless degrees. We're not pointing fingers here, Justin. Um, (laughs) But I feel like a lot of the time when we're talking about the stuff that is um, routine, it is stuff that your body knows is routine, but your brain doesn't realize it is. Are you, do you understand what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, for sure. So I think you have to be very, if you want to do a thing, you need to not only be intentional about that thing, but you then need to also be more intentional about everything else you're doing. Because if you're, if you want to go to church on Sunday, you probably need to change the way that you act Saturday night so that it's harder to sleep in or you don't feel the desire 100%. to sleep in Sunday morning. A hundred You have to be very introspective about your whole routine to change small things. Mm-hmm. Because everything is so interconnected. It would be like, it would be like if you were in a situation where say like you're, say you're 30 or so (laughs) and and you're like, you know, I, I would really like to maybe meet a woman and develop a relationship and not be alone. Um, but I work from home. And this is getting oddly specific. And I don't mm-hmm. No, I mean, this is, and, and this is a I, common thing. And I work from home you could. and my name just happens to be you Creighton. Could, you could, <laughs> and you could just so happen to in, uh, involve chat GPT to create a ad for you. Uh, an actual online pro- dating right. profile. But here's the thing. Like <clears throat> you have to be intentional of like, I am where I'm at. Um, I can't expect a big change to happen without me changing something. Um, is my point. Um, and I think that that, that fits in so many different, for me, I'll tell you, like, um, I hate it. I absolutely hate it. Um, but when I, when I, when I got home and I did therapy and I got strong enough to, to be on my own, um, you know, it was like, I knew that I needed to go to the gym and, and I needed to at least, I, I needed to build arm strength, but beyond all of that, I needed cardio Cause I had heart things and I needed to build lung capacity and uh, the Lord healed my lungs. It was a great thing, but like I had to, I had to strengthen my lungs. I had to get blood flowing. Um, and I would not do it. Um, I mean, I, I, I would walk in my neighborhood some with the therapist. Um, and then I, and then I, I powered through during the warmer months with my wife Cause it's like, I got to do this. I have to do this. I got to, I got to get better for my kids. But then it got cold <laughs> and I'm like, I, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing what I know I need to do, which is why, what was it? Um, um, January of last year, I was like, I, I went, I joined a gym. I met the guy that runs the play, the body plex. His name's Clayton, a good dude, bl- brother, become a, a genuine friend. And, um, and it was like, Hey, th- this is, I told him my story. I was like, I, I don't know what to do. I don't know what I can do. I couldn't even move my hands very well at the time, but it was like, I have to, I have to figure out a way to make this routine because I need to do it, but I won't do it. Um, and like, I have to, I have to be very, even after doing it now for a year, I still from a week to week basis, um, I've got to trick myself into going. I've got to create scenarios where I can't get out of it. Um, I've got to like, I have to, at some point it'll become more automated, but like if I needed to make a change, but the only way to do that was to be very, um, thoughtful, 
like you, I thought when you said Creighton was great, you have to change some of the little things. I got to make this where it works. So I study. I have my headphones on. I listen to Bible studies because one of the things I feel like I'm wasting time. Mm-hmm. Spend an hour on the treadmill. I'll do three miles. And it's like, but if I'm listening to a Bible study, I'm being productive or I'm watching the live stream from Sunday so I can look at the, the, the cuts and I can, I can work. Um, I, I trick myself into it. Um, but, th- but these things are important, right? Mm-hmm. I think one of the important things just from your story and actually from your story as well, Justin, about how you go to church every Sunday and that's just kind of part of what you do, but you enjoy it. You know, your therapist was there with you. And then your wife was there with you. Yeah. Now she probably didn't want to go out in the cold. I'm assuming during the wintertime, she would have done it. I just, I, I just wouldn't. <laughs> just, I hate but it. there was that automatic, like both of you probably didn't want to go hypothetical. I'm just saying, yeah. you know, um, and when you go to church, if no one was there, if it was just something that you're doing by yourself, it's a lot easier to quit when there's no accountability. Accountability is a huge part of that. So when you go to the gym, you meet the person who owns it, yeah. you create a relationship. So coming, going back to your point with the church, coming to church, it's like, you know, if you, if you come and sit in a crowd, which I've done before in the, in the, in the big churches, it's so easy to just be like, you sit in a seat. And as soon as the sermon's over, you just hop out. You don't talk to a single person. And that's actually the one of the things that I really appreciate about our church is that it's not like that. It's like, you could literally talk to anyone and you know, there's just so many relationships that you can have. And it's, you know, it's, it, it's not just a church that you kind of Float are not seen. Yeah. It's like you can definitely get involved and it's, it's, it's a good thing for you. Well, I, I, and I've appreciated it. There's been episodes of the outlaw radio show where we've talked about church by the numbers and things like that. Um, going back to, to some studies I did in the book of acts early in our church's history. It's crazy if you think about the percentages, but like, if everybody in church came one Sunday a month, so everybody came one Sunday a month, you know the odds of you seeing the same people each week? It's 8%. <laughs> mm. Like, so when people are like, yeah, I, yeah, I just, I just can't, I, you know, I'm, I'm not getting to know anybody. I'm not really connecting. It's like, well, you go once out every four weeks, more than likely you're not even, and the bigger the church, you know, the, the harder it is, um, I'm not even seeing the same people. I mean, mm-hmm. how can you how can you develop any type of rapport connection? Right. Um, so you know, I, I don't really like to use the word accountability so much, um, because accountability only works if you want it to. Well, I think I think what it is is, and, yeah. and you see this with churches outside of America. There's no there's no uh, consequence for going to church. Or you see what I'm saying? Like in other, in other places, like I remember bringing, being in an uh, unnamed country, uh, just for lack of a better way to say this, like I would sometimes look around for new people, like kind of sizing them up, making sure they weren't the cops before I go into the building kind of thing. Like when, when there's no consequence for just showing up to church, I, I think that's where people are less likely to get involved. That's why, you know, in Europe, like half the churches are shut down. Uh, I just saw an article on the, was it the St. Matthews or something in Ireland or England was used for a, a, a silent rave the, the other day. I mean, it, it's just like it, they're using churches now for, for 
for clubs and houses because they're getting sold off because nobody's right. going to church anymore. And it's because there's no consequence for going to church. Do you, do you see what I'm saying? I like, think I get what you're saying. Yeah. Just the idea that like, there's no price for entry, so there's no consequence right, for leaving. Right. And, and I think you don't get that, that consequence, that price for entry, unless you intentionally get involved in the church. It's like something no, to lose. Nobody ever thought about the importance of toilet paper until like, March of 2020. Right. <laughs> and then it was like, oh no, this is why? Because it was gone. That's why I'm a big fan of bidets. Right. There you go. But like, it, but it's gone. Like, again, there's the familiarity of it where it's like, well, I don't, it, there's not a priority to go every week because I can go next week. Right. Well, uh, or the good week ex- after. A like good example was the, the other week when, you know, when Andy got sick and then John was sick and the, we had to like change stuff last second. Like the fact that some of the people that, we, you know, that are there every week. They, they're serving just like a couple of them. Yeah. That we rely on. They didn't show up. Yeah. We got it done, but man, is it a lot easier when, when you're involved and you're there and, and you see that when, when you put yourself in, in, into it, make, make it, make it cost something to go to church. Well, I, and I let you two Hmm. got you guys, um, you know, Isaac, you, you, you're more new to this, but you're fitting into this. Um, but you two in particular, Creighton and Spice Daddy, you know, there are times you guys go on vacation, you're out of town, you're doing doing a thing, family time with the lake or whatever. And it's like, hey, we'll we'll hunker down and we'll make the morning work. That's fine. But I always try to make sure that you you both know, right? Yeah, hey, th- the morning was fine, but man, you were you were missed. Mm-hmm. And isn't it nice to know you're missed? Yeah. Absolutely. You know, the... the, the the autonomy of like of not being missed. I think that that's again you could change that. So, just wanted that was a thought that had been floating in the back of my head. I wanted to get that out. Second thought, and this really piggybacks off of last week. So I, I've started doing something, Jessica and I. So a couple of years ago, um, the Chosen came out. Mm. It was like this kind of phenomenon. It was a big thing. Um, I watched like fifteen minutes of the first episode. And was like, no, I'm out. Like, and it dealt with Nicodemus, Mary Magdalene. Because I went, like, full theologian. Like, I, I, I picked apart everything that was wrong. Like, I couldn't just enjoy the artistic expression of it. The book is always better than the movie. You just have to get over it. Like, right. That's, are, you ta- are you talking about the Bible? <laughs> yes. That's true. That's a, that's a pretty solid That's one. a solid point. Right. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um. So like like right off the bat, I was like, nah, I'm done. Jessica really enjoyed it. She was like, ah, I'd love to watch this. And I, it is great. And I was like, nah, I can't, I can't do it. Interestingly enough, my dad totally loves it. Uh, my mom had the same struggles that I did, and she for the same reasons. So fast forward um, to about a month ago, I'm actually having a conversation um, on the phone with Josh Brown, who's his productions, and we're just catching up, whatnot. And he was like, hey, have you watched The Chosen? So I reiterated exactly what I just said to you guys. And he goes, man, I felt the same way. Um, but I kind of like stuck with it and I gave it three or four episodes. And then like the writing, the acting, like they, it takes them a couple episodes to figure out what it is they're wanting to do and how they want to accomplish it. Like it's, it's a little wonky in the first few episodes, but then it, it really, they really do kind of fall into their own, their own lane which reminds me a lot of like Parks and Rec. Um, mm-hmm. Love the show. I was told up front, don't watch the first season. 
It's just a knockoff of The Office. You won't like it. So I, we skipped the first season. We went to the second season, watched it all. And then out of curiosity, I went back to the first season. It was like, if I had started with this, I would have never watched the show because it was obnoxious. Like, like they needed to break free of, of kind of a template that they were trying to emulate. Just be themselves. Mm-hmm. The Chosen kind of did that. So Josh was like, you should totally give it three episodes. So there's like nothing good on TV anyway. So I told Jess, I was like, hey, let's... let's 24. 24 is great. It is. It's just, you, there's no place to stream it. That's another topic. Hulu. I Netflix. Don't, it's not on Netflix. I don't have Hulu. It's... Is okay, it, we don't need to Is it on Netflix now? It's Sorry, it's on Hulu. Show. It's on Hulu. Do not. Okay, listen. 24. First of all, <laughs> that is one of the best shows to fall asleep to. Thank you. I don't... I don't... <laughs> I don't disagree. It's the only show I've ever watched where I actively rooted for one of the main characters to die. <laughs> right. And the first season, right. all I want is Jack Bauer's wife to die. Yeah. She, she was the most obnoxious character of any show I'd ever watched. Yeah. She would do the dumbest things. Is she like a Job's wife kind of character? No, she's like she's like the the I, I, it's a whole thing. And now and we're like, back to the chosen talking about Jesus. Well, and then the, yeah, well, and then and then the, the the bad guy is Nina, and I'm like Nina, shoot her, please. And sure enough, the season ends with Nina shooting Jack's wife, and I'm like, thank Dude, goodness, spoilers. thank goodness, I can watch the second season. Anyway, back to so the chosen. Good. You got me stuck on twenty. It's a good show. <laughs> it's a great show. So tw- chosen. So I did. So Jess and I, we, we've gotten we've gotten back into it. So we've been watching. Uh, and and I've I've really been able to um, kind of take a step back and appreciate it for See, what I, it is. I told you, I told you. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. You did. I've I've enjoyed it. <laughs> There's some things that, um, like the the whole Nicodemus storyline where he's in the Galilean ministry is baloney because this was the Judean ministry, which John records. This is early on. The timing's wrong. I mean, just and, and I'm gonna pick that apart. I like their take on Matthew. I love their take on Matthew being basically autistic. Yes, totally love. I it. love it. I'm right there with you. Like Matt, the, and I like the presentation of Peter. I'm studying yep. Peter right now. I think the character development, I do think that they should have made Peter a bit older mm. um, because he was older. And I think they should have made John younger. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some of those type of things but um, it, it, that they I, get wrong. Right. I think. And I read a lot about like people hating on the chosen stuff like that for the artistic uh, the like freedom. Angle. Yeah. It, but everything they've done isn't like, not biblical. It's just they're you're arguing about chronology when you've right. got the synoptic gospels and John and no one really knows the chronology anyway. So right. it is it really is a majoring on not even a minor but a spec. Like but it doesn't matter. Enjoy wh- it. What I love is like bringing Jesus cuz you when I think of Jesus like the way they they read him in Amer- read about him in America it's like uh, you know, the Jesus videos kind of thing. You know, he's just like this standoff guy. Yeah, the ones that you dubbed yeah, over. But like right. in the chosen, in the chosen, he has a sense of humor. And like, you really, like you get that feel of like he's human. I, I, listen, I just, I am waiting for the, the scene when Pastor Chuck gets saved. I'm, I'm waiting for that. It'll come. Um, you do realize that the guy that plays Jesus played Lonnie Frisbee in the yeah. Jesus Revolution. I did not know that. Thank and, you for the context. And for that so, joke. but so chosen was out before Jesus Revolution. So it was like they put Jesus in as this guy, you know. <laughs> but for me, it's like Jesus is Lonnie Frisbee, and like even the way he hugs people, it's like that's such a Lonnie thing to do. Um, 
Yeah, I'm struggling with that part of it. Anyway, that's hilarious. But I've enjoyed my... Now, the reason I bring it up is we've gotten to the point, we've gotten through the scene. I love the way they present Nicodemus. I, I, I really enjoyed the arc, the way that they've developed him. Um, I like that actor, too. I, I've seen him in a bunch of other things. I don't, I don't know. But um, I, we've gotten through the scene of the, the Nick at Night. What we looked at last week, John chapter 3, um, where Jesus sits down, has a private conversation um, with Nicodemus. And, um, and, and I, I enjoyed the way that they presented it. I enjoyed the way that the scene played itself out, the way that the, the, they worked the dialogue in it. No complaints. Why I'm bringing it up is that, that I want to kind of had a thought something that we maybe touched on last week, but we really didn't, I don't think I did a good job explaining. Um, and I don't think the chosen, by the way, did, did, did a good job at all of, of explaining this. But so within Jesus's discourse with Nicodemus, he starts by talking about rebirth, like what regeneration is like who inherits the kingdom, who sees the kingdom? you have to be born again, not of, not of flesh, but of spirit. You need to be filled with the Holy spirit. It's about, it's about rebirth, to be born again. And then, and then to illustrate later on, you know, Jesus will say, um, you know, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Um, those who believe in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. He talks about, you know, I didn't come to condemn the world. Um, and, we, and we really, we, we unpack the idea of the everlasting life versus perishing, um, but, but I want to I talk a little bit about salvation and what salvation really is. Um, because I think that this is important. I don't think I clarified it or explained it to the extent I wanted to last week. So I'll do this quickly. We can get to whatever topic. But so salvation, salvation has, has two components to it. It has redemption, the act of redeeming something, justification, um, which is which is the salvation angle to be seen by God just as if I'd never sinned to be redeemed to be cleansed to be positionally righteous before God thus you go to spend eternity with God your sins have been judged but like salvation is way more than just that it's not it's not just a saving from something it's the saving to something it's not that I'm just saved from my sin which is great. Don't get me wrong. That's a good component, but that is not what Jesus is talking about fully because he begins the conversation with rebirth. It's one thing for, for Jesus to save us from our sins, which is why he uses the, um, the old Testament allegory or the illustration of, of Moses putting the pole with the, the serpent on it. Um, they looked in faith, they believed in faith and they were saved from the bites of the serpent. It's one thing to be saved from sin, to have your debt forgiven. But the gospel is so much more than that. It's, I'm not just saved from my sin, but I'm imparted his righteousness. I'm, I'm bestowed. My debt isn't just paid, but Paul said, I'm given all the spiritual blessings in heavenly places. It's not just that the balance I could never satisfy gets to zero. It's that I get all of Jesus's credit piled on top of it. It's not just that the lamb is slain to pay for my sin, but it's that the blood is spilt to purify and make me holy and righteous practically. 
I'm filled with the spirit. I'm born again. I'm no longer the same person. I'm in this process of becoming new. Something that begins in that moment, but it's a continuation. Nicodemus isn't just talking about, he's just not curious about everlasting life. He wants to know about the kingdom. Like something we live in and we're active in. It's not future, it's present. Which is why Jesus is talking about something that happens in the moment. It's not like, hey, this will be good for you when you're when you're dead and stand before God. It's this is beneficial for you right now. Some theologians, they'll call it the great exchange. Christ took my sin and exchange gave his righteousness. I just had a thought. Yeah, jump in. Uh, it's more of a question than a thought. That's uh, okay. We do that with this show. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so me being Justin, the sinful man, whom Christ has saved, uh, was it in John or in Revelation where it says he's going to give us a new name and only he knows it. Is that come with being a new creation? He just gives us a new name. Therefore, I'm not charged under God's law with under Justin. And because I'm a new creature, a new name. Do, do you see where I'm going with that? Yeah, like, I think that's an interesting thought. Like, I, I never I never realized, like, why do I need a new name? Like, you gave me, like, yeah, my parents gave me my name, but you created me. And, and But why why do I need a new name? And Well, think, of, think, about, think about it. I mean... Um, when, when Abraham think he'll call me spice daddy. I hope so. Me too. When Abraham, God changes Abraham's name, Abram to Abraham. He changes Sarah to Sarah. He changes Jacob to Israel. Um, he changes Simon Barjona to Cephas or Peter. He changes Saul of Tarsus and gives him the name Paul. You know, to name something uh, demonstrates authority um, over. Mm -hmm. um, It reconstitutes. um, He's making you his. Like, I'll give you a fine example. When we picked up our dog. Oh, we're going back to the dog. Well, yeah, that's an interesting not perspective. <laughs> not your dog. Interesting that's perspective. All, yeah, that's an interesting perspective. Indeed yeah, it is. <laughs> but I think her name was Molly or something stupid like that. But then. Was that during your partying days? No, this is Poppy we're talking about here. <laughs> Molly. Yeah, Molly. <laughs> no, you got, got it. it. I got you there. Um, we But we renamed her. Sure, we could have kept Molly, but... Molly was the old owner's name. Right. That was the name that they'd given her. When we brought Poppy in, it's like, what should we call her? This is ours. Yeah. No, for sure. With uh, with our dog. Um, for about two months, our dog's name was Miles because the dog was born in a car. Why? Okay. Steady? Yeah. Name was Miles. Christy named him Miles because he was born in a car. Uh, one of the other siblings was Otto. Um, like they, like the three, the three pups that came out before they got to the vet got like car names. Nice. Uh, we changed, we would, we like miles, but I have a nephew miles, so we can't, we couldn't do that. So we renamed our dog Stetson Bennett, the fourth Adams, um, <laughs> out of, uh, homage to our George quarterback anyway. Um, but yeah, no naming authority. Interesting idea that, that in heaven we're given a name, a private name. 
I was just thinking, like, legally yeah. speaking, like, I can no longer be charged under Justin because Justin. Justin's dead. Right. And But, like, he gives me a new name. Yeah, I like that. Who has a new, has a new creation. I like that. But, you, I mean, you understand, Craig, why I kind of brought this up. I just wanted to, I wanted to add a, that other wrinkle because it's so much more than everlasting life. We get stuck. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. But that's like... That's the future result of the benefits you get from God giving his only begotten son. It's really interesting because I was also, when I was thinking of my question for this week, and I don't know if we have time for it. We're going to go, we're going to jump into it anyway. We could throw it in, sure. Because um, I was also thinking about last week, and I was thinking from like the, uh, from the other angle. You have and, a passage while you're talking? Yes, you're going to be, well... I have an idea of what passage you're going to want to go to, and that's Romans 3.23. Okay. Because my question is not so much the actual question I'm going to ask, but how to explain the answer to the question I'm going to ask. Because the question I'm going to ask is, why do I need to be saved? Because I feel like when Christians are talking about salvation, we often take that we need to be saved thing to be very, um, like, to just be stock. It is a given people need to be saved. How would you explain to somebody you need to be saved because you are not good enough? If they don't already have a understanding that they need to be saved because they're not good enough. The house, the, that meme where the house is on fire and the dog's just sitting at the table <laughs> saying, this, this is, is fine. fine. Yeah, that... That's you if you're not saved. I totally agree. So more particular to your question, there's a lot of different um, from a, um, an evangelistic approach, just like if, if you were in conversation with someone and, and it becomes clear that um, there's a lot of questions you have to ask to try to try to understand who you're talking to. And where, and, and where they're at. To put it in perspective a little bit, I am looking for an evangelistic side, not an apologetic side. Yeah, yeah, if for that sure. that makes sense. No, 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 I, no I, I do. I, I understand that. Um, and so so let's actually set aside, because I think the ap- apologetics get us to evangelism. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the goal. Um, apologetics get us, get us to a framework that now we can talk about the gospel. Um, me talking about salvation means nothing if you think you've evolved from an ape. Um, if, totally if you agree. believe in evolution, I mean, there's nothing there. Like Many we, Christians we, believe that. Um, that's a whole nother topic. Uh, I, n- not any real ones, in my opinion. Um, I, I, don't, I don't think that you can believe in evolution and be a Christian at Why? all. That's another topic that we, we would go in a total diverging. Listen, Save that for next week. We could, we could, that, that would be... We got nine solid minutes. That would be a whole nother conversation. <laughs> um, but like at some point, for example... It's hard to talk about Jesus um, being the son of God if someone doesn't believe in God. You know, if they don't believe in God or they don't believe in fallen nature, they don't believe in sin, they don't believe in um, any distinct dis- distinctiveness about humanity over the rest of creation, um, then then there's no basis to have a conversation. So apologetics has to deal with some of that stuff um, to, to just lay a framework because we get we got to be on the same frame. So let's just assume all that's happened. And now it's like, okay, I do believe that there's a God. I do believe I'm, I'm created. Um, 
but but what I but I do think that God ultimately is fair, and I'm going to play a hypothetical scenario just for the sake of time. I believe God's fair, and I believe that He's loving, and I think as long as I'm a good person, um, and I try my best, um, and, I, and I seek to live a moral life, um, that that when when it's all said and done, that I'm going to go to heaven. Um, that that I'm a good person. So, so, so I'm a good person. So if that's the the individual I'm talking to, and I've had these conversations with people with, with that to me, it's like, well, what is a good person to find that? Like to find what is good. Um, that becomes a challenging question. Um, because, because if there is no standard of goodness, there, there's no, there's no way that you can evaluate oneself. Um, ultimately when, when someone says I'm a good person, what they're actually saying is in their own mind, they've picked somebody out that they know. And, and they're like, well, that person's not a good, they're not, they're not a good person. My dad was not a good person. Um, my great grandfather, my neighbor was a bad person. I'm better than that um, guy. And, and because they're bad. So we'll just use them as my standard of bad in comparison. That means I'm good. I'm not as bad as they are. Well, the problem is, is that you're, you're picking an arbitrary standard. Um, that doesn't have any basis or validity. So you have to take a step back and say, well, do you think that God, um, that God determines what is, what is right and wrong? What is good and what is evil? Um, do you think God defines what is a sinful behavior and, and what is a righteous behavior? Um, and, and, and if, and if God does determine those things, um, Paul talks about how the law is a, is a ruler by which we compare ourselves to. Um, that's, that I think is kind of an incomplete interpretation. Uh, Jesus fulfilled the law and the prophets. Jesus is the standard. Makes it as easy as possible. If you want to know what is good to compare yourself to, um, don't first, don't start with what's evil, because that really doesn't matter. They're already damned. It's more about you. So if you think you're good, well, find this, the standard of goodness. Um, and the Bible presents Jesus as the standard of goodness. Ironically, even people that are kind of like wishy-washy will still affirm that like Jesus was like maybe one of the most ultimate moral teachers ever, right? Mm -hmm. Which gives you at least a baseline for the conversation, even if they haven't accepted Jesus as God or whatnot. If you're just trying to deal with the issue of goodness, you can say, okay, well, okay, we can agree that Jesus was good. Most people can't. Even a Muslim will. Okay, Jesus is good. Now, now, why don't you compare yourself instead of who, instead of comparing yourself to Hitler, feeling good about yourself, why don't you compare yourself to Jesus, who we've already agreed is good? How do you, how do you measure up to that standard of goodness? And you can, you can go down the list, you can talk about it, um, but it doesn't, doesn't take much for people to fall very short of that particular standard. You know, again... In Romans 3, verse 23, we read, For all have sinned, and what? Fallen short of the glory of God. Who was the glory of God? Jesus. Jesus was the glory of God. And so to say, all have fallen sin, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God is saying, you all fail to the standard of what is good and perfect. God said very clearly in Genesis, um, the wages of sin is death. Sin, death. Not a pile of sin, a sin. So 
you might say you're a good person in comparison to that jerk basketball coach at the YMCA. Yeah, you might be better than he or the person at the end of the row at your church. And if you're, you're, you're using a broken ruler. So compare yourself to Jesus and then, and then self-evaluate. Are you, are you good? Well, I'm not as good as he is. Are you even close? No, I've actually fall really short um, of that. But I mean, that don't, don't you think that that's kind of a, a lofty, unexpected standard? Uh, yeah, that's the point. Because the Bible's clear that all have sinned and fallen short. None are good, the Bible says, no, not one. That's the that the premise is that you're not a good person. Like, I, when I was teaching a Bible class, we would talk about this very concept. And it's like, if, if, you, were, if you were thinking you were to stand before God and there was going to be this great scale behind you, good deeds, bad deeds. And your, your worldview is that as long as there's more good deeds than bad deeds, I'm going to, I'm going to make it. Okay. Well, let's even operate on that. Okay. How does the Bible define sin? Well, okay. The obvious ones, active malice. You're going to have some of those, right? Yep. For sure. Not going to get, you've, you've lied. Okay. Let's take the 10 commandments, run down them. You've committed a bunch of them. But, but then Jesus also says it's not just like the, the things that you do with malice, but even like your intents of the heart, like your emotions. Well, I've never committed adultery, but Jesus said, have you lusted? Well, I've done that. There's going to be a lot more on that. I haven't murdered, but have you been angry? That you throw, Pile that on. And then we start talking about, well, like, what about the good deeds that, that I've done because they're good deeds? But now I'm doing them with a selfish motivation because they're good deeds and I'm trying to get something for it. Now they're no longer a good deed. They're, they're, they're tainted by selfish motivation because you're trying to get to heaven, not really helping the little old lady across the street. So can you really put those on the good deeds? No, now they've had evil intent, you, selfish intent, throw them on the bad deeds. And then Jesus talks about that it's not even just about sins of commission that we actively do, but we also held to account that we can have sins of omission. When we fail, it's not just that I do the wrong thing. I, if I fail to do the right thing or I do nothing, that's also a sin. Pile them babies up. The point of you start really looking at it, you're screwed. Like you're absolutely, you really want to stand before God with that. And the answer is no. And so it's like, okay, you're, 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 you're in trouble because you can't approach God on your goodness because you're not good. You might have a few things over here, maybe, but let's, let's be real. Again, the Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We've all fallen short. None are good. Yeah, I think what really kind of struck a chord there, because I've been thinking like a lot of secular people, and, and I'm even guilty of it too. It's like when you help somebody out or you, you're doing something good, you might think, you know, even the motivation is probably, there's there's a slight bit of selfishness, you know what I mean? It's like, or even the idea, well, you know, like one time I was, I remember this guy's jet ski just totally fell off his trailer in the middle of the road. <laughs> and, um, you know, it's kind of those moments I'm like, whoa, is this really happening? And I was one of the first people to get out and help him pull it, push it back up. And I just thought, that's good karma right there. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
Because it's like, you know, what comes around goes around. So you, but your motivation is like, man, I'm glad I did a good deed because I'm going to need one. Right. I'm Which gonna... now no longer made it a good deed. Exactly. Or it's for like... me, it'd be like, hey, I'm going to help this guy with the jet ski because, you know, maybe... He'll take me out on the jet ski. Maybe I'll get to go out on the jet ski. He's going to need some repairs first. I just, I just, you know. <laughs> yeah, I just made a friend. Yeah. But I mean, it's, it's again, with the idea of goodness, like people, the, the most common thing, I'm going to have him because I'm a good person. That's what you get. I mean, that, that is the most common thing, mm-hmm. which, which, you know, to me is a great place to start because you don't have to go to the apologetic stuff. I don't have to make the arguments of an absolute moral lawgiver for us to even have the basis of understanding moral law. Well, that makes it even, sorry to cut you off, but no. that makes it even harder to identify. Like when you, you know, when we talk about you becoming a different person, it's like, well, you know, it's like really hard to identify, well, is that the new person or is that you pretending, I mean, or is that your own selfish? Do you understand what I'm saying? I, I do. I think it becomes, again, it becomes the, 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 the Bible has this great contrast of what, what's called works Mm-hmm. And fruit. Um, a work is something that I, I do. A fruit is something that naturally manifests. I don't have to do it. That's why Jesus didn't give us do attitudes, but be attitudes. You know, the Bible, you know, Jesus never gave us a list of things to do. Can you give me an example? He told us to be something and that knowing, knowing if we, if, if we are this, it'll naturally manifest for for example um jesus would say he would say love your neighbor as yourself um that's in and of myself an impossible thing to do i look a pic look at a picture um of a group the, who's the first person i look for the dog clearly the, the his perspective is great <laughs> Um, no, I, I look for, I, I'll always look for myself and I'll evaluate the picture whether or not I look right. You know, it doesn't matter about anybody else. Um, we're, we are, we are naturally self-centered. Um, but Jesus says, love your neighbor. Um, it's even worse when he says, love your enemy. Well, I was going to get to that. Yeah, I was going <laughs> to, I was going to get to that. But so like, I don't intrinsically like, that's not something that's going to naturally manifest in my flesh. But is it possible for me to love my neighbor? I, I do. I love my neighbor. Um, is that is that me or is that the Holy Spirit working through me? Well, it's not me because I wouldn't. But it's the Holy Spirit because I am. Which is why, how do I love an enemy? Or someone that spite, is spiteful towards me? I can't. But when I do, I know that that's not me because that's not natural. It's been produced from something inside of me that isn't natural, supernatural. It's the Holy Spirit. Um, we're, uh, you know, our flesh is selfish. So anytime we're selfless, that didn't come naturally from you. That manifested from the Holy Spirit. Now, none of us will account, like none of us will achieve all this. Paul, Paul, by the end of his life, is like I'm the chiefest of all sinners. You know, it's like the closer you get to Jesus the more aware you will be of your own fallenness, not, not of your perfection. it will be like how incomplete you are mm-hmm. closer. You get to a mirror, the uglier you get, um, dim light, you know, further away, you're looking all right. 
Uh, it doesn't work for all of us. It doesn't. There you go. <laughs> so, but my point, my point being is that that from an evangelical standpoint, Creighton, it's like, okay, hey, you're you're not you're not good, you're not good, and I do think that at some point that resonates because people understand that they're not good, they they're they're just deflecting. Um, I have found that it 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 doesn't it doesn't take a lot to get somebody to admit that, you know, something is wrong with me. I, I, I do sense a brokenness. I do sense an incompleteness. I do sense a lack of satisfaction. Um, I, I have a craving that nothing that I, I search out in this word fulfills this world fulfills. Um, I'm looking for meaning. I seek to have purpose. I know something has to change. I, I think that you can you can get with the right technique, the right strategy, the right tone. Jesus was able to do this. Um, amazingly, people people came. The people that Jesus changed were the people that came acknowledging their brokenness immediately. The one person, the only person that came to Jesus and departed. Without any transformation. The rich man. Was the rich young ruler. And why? Because he thought he was good. And Jesus goes through that and tries to point out he's not, right? Mm-hmm. He says, well, I, I've kept all of the law. And he's like, okay, great. Then sell everything you have, give it to the poor, and come follow me. And what could he not do? Let me go bury my father. Well, he couldn't. He couldn't. He couldn't. That was a different story. Um that's not the rich young ruler. Gosh darn. But the, um, at some point though, he did probably have to bury his, father. he probably did have to bury a father. But, Sounds but, to me like somebody's not reading their Bible. Yeah. <laughs> tisk tisk. But, it, but Jesus, Jesus tries to get him to the point where he'll acknowledge, like he'll have to concede that he wasn't as good as he thought he was. Mm-hmm. Um, because he refused to. And as a result, it wasn't even that his money was his God in Hebrew culture, wealth and blessing was the demonstration of God's favor. And so he had to concede that God, that that wasn't a demonstration of God's favor because he actually wasn't as good as he thought. It was about his goodness. Hmm. Um, And he couldn't, but I think a a seed was planted that he struggled with forever. And, and anytime we resist Jesus, we become violent towards those that follow him. And I, I'm of the opinion that the rich young ruler um, ends up, becoming more known as Saul of Tarsus was a member of the Jewish Sanhedrin. And then later on becomes Paul, the apostle, but on the road to Damascus, Jesus appears to him and says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It's hard to kick against the goads, which, which is so loaded because it says it's, it's, it's the accusation. You you're resisting what you already know to be true. Why are you doing it? And he, and he addresses in my name, Saul, Saul, which means that I, they had talked before. There was already a personal connection. I think it's the rich young ruler, but can't prove that. That kind of uh, at least uh, generally touches on the, the question that you had, Cray. Yeah. I thought you did a great job. I thought it was really good. Any uh, any thoughts on the uh, inter- interwebs? Uh, Justin's second favorite, Karen, says... Um, Loving your enemy sounds great until you get one, which <laughs> I totally line. agree with. That's a good line. 
Um, we had some other stuff from earlier. She also said that uh, people in Siberia rode a bus for or train for two hours or more to meet for church one way. Right. In Siberia. That's kind of, I can relate to that when I was living in commerce. <laughs> yeah, I bet you can. Yeah. Very different climate. Yeah. Same. Slightly, atmosphere. slightly. Same atmosphere. Mm-hmm. A lot of meth heads. You guys have any, uh, any final thoughts? Spice Daddy? No, we talked about everything. Well, you know, I would like to hear more about your thoughts. And I, I'm not saying that I personally no, we can believe totally talk in about evolution. I just... Well, theistic you know. evolution. It's my favorite topic. I would yeah. love to Do have you want this me to conversation. Answer it? No, 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 no. We're out of time. Okay. So we there's this one Hillsong song. I like that song. Do you know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. So I will. Yes, yeah, so will I. Or so yeah. will I, yeah. And it says one of the lines in there, and I remember listening to it with Alexis, and I was like, "Do you think that they believe it's based? Have you heard that song? It's like all of creation evolving according to your word, essentially evolving, yeah, something like that." But they use the word "evolving," and I'm like, "I think some people take that word too far." It, this next next topic, like, well, yeah, we get, that, yeah. we'll we'll push that to next week. Craig, mm-hmm. you got anything final? I would love to do evolution next week. All right. It's my favorite topic. Finally get to use my degrees. Yeah. just Mine punch, too. Punch me in the face. I'm a college dropout, but I liked biology when I was in college. <laughs> nice, ca- nice Kanye reference. Not a Kanye reference. Co- college dropout. Mm. I'm going to drop some hip hop. It's never a Kanye reference. I'm dropping some hip hop oh, and we're getting out of here. Welcome. Thank you. Welcome. Welcome. <laughs> Good grief. After hours. I know. Thank you. Thank you for joining us tonight. If you've been watching the live stream, check out the podcast released on Thursdays, Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon, wherever you get your podcasting. If you're listening, hang out with us on a Wednesday night. We live stream uh, outlaw, uh, outlawradio.live, uh, facebook.com slash the radio outlaw, uh, eight o'clock Wednesday nights. Hope that you join us. See you guys next week. God bless.